Support for WIPR's podcasts comes from Brightview Senior Living. Since 1999, Brightview has proudly served Greater Baltimore with vibrant, independent living, assisted living, memory care, and enhanced care. Find a community near you at brightviewseniorliving.com. She's like so doubling down. She's so angry. And I pull her in for a hug. And I say, what is going on? And it's just like, porn, 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 porn. And you like have to like keep clicking out of it. And you're like, all that four, all that four, all that four. People are always frustrated. They're always feeling like they can't keep up with their obligations. But this was like nothing I've ever seen before. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Stoop Storytelling Series podcast. I'm Laura Wexler. And I'm Jessica Hinkin. And this week on the podcast, School Days. Three tales about the struggle to support kids during the pandemic. Oof, that struggle is real. <laughs> Before we get started, we want to thank the Park School of Baltimore, which is a longtime sponsor of the Soup Podcast. They are doing a great job with their education during the pandemic, as Jessica well knows. Yeah. And they are independent co-ed K-12 school in North Baltimore. Pre-K, actually, I think, right? Ooh. Yeah. So our first storyteller is um, Maggie Master, and she is a former teacher and a Baltimore-based writer who actually just got a piece published this week in the New York Times. Go Maggie. Uh, And this is a story about being a parent and also a former teacher and trying to navigate this fun new world that we're all living in. So take a listen. I am a former teacher, middle school language art, and uh, a couple times since March, some people have asked me, you know, is it easier for you to convert to this distance learning because you used to be a teacher? And, you know, my initial answer is no, not at all. Not, not even a little bit. In fact, I, I sort of think it's worse and I'm worse at it because I feel like I've seen like how it should look and it is just not, it is not looking like that. And it's so personal. Oh man, it feels so personal when they are just little, um, not nice people. And, you know, so many could, could just tell you so many stories about kind of feeling like I am the, um, was thrust in the role of an IT director of a struggling small independent school, um, who was then also made the cafeteria and health director all of the lunch. I just stay in the kitchen all day long and also fix tech problems. Anyway, um, because though I will say that because I was a teacher, I don't, I, I guess I haven't, the one thing I will say is that I haven't worried too much about their academics. Um, just figuring, you know, they'll catch up and maybe we won't know all our state capitals. Maybe that's okay. Maybe some of us don't know all of our state capitals anyway, and are adults that feel like they're fully functioning in the world. So the bread and butter of the Master Parish Independent School thus far has just been like, try and just like make good human beings. Like if we can get out of this and we've helped these little people become like slightly better human beings and read every day, then I think we're, I think we're winning. And so that's kind of what's been helping me get to sleep at night. Um, fast forward to uh, about a week ago, and my daughter was in the backyard with the um, other little girl that we had been quarantining, quarantining with, and I asked her to get out of the hammock to make room for um, a little two-year-old, 
and she looked at us uh, and she looked at me specifically and just like said, I don't have to listen to you stupid mom tell me this dumb stuff and then proceeded to hurl out like a lot of other probably like third grade level invective. She's in first grade. So, and meanwhile, the five-year-old right next to her, who is not my child, is just there taking notes. Like, I could even, are you allowed to say that to your mom? I didn't even know you could. Like, this is amazing. So I'm mortified because there's this other mom there and the five-year-old taking notes and, I, and me thinking like the only thing that like is keeping me from feeling like a total failure is thinking that like, man, I'm, I'm trying to work on this whole good humans thing. And this, my daughter is just like being the biggest little shit you've ever seen in front of other people. So I, I, I kind of like, I, I drag her into the house and my, my first thought, my first instinct is to like throw her up in her room and like banish her up there for like at least through the presidential election. And then I think, okay, like my better instinct prevails and I like bring her over to the couch and just sit her down and I'm just like, like, I mean, what was going on? I'm like, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna try and I'm gonna get some information. And She's like so doubling down. She's so angry. And I just, I pull her in for a hug and I say, what is going on? She just like crumples. She just folds and she starts crying. And she just says, there's no light in the darkness. I was like, what? Like part of me was like, what did you just say? And then part of me was like, yeah, that's, that's exactly right. Like, totally, you nailed it. And she just goes on and she's like, I can't see my cousins and I can't, I can't see my, we can't go to the pool and I can't see my friends and I can't go to the beach and there's just nothing to look forward to. There's nothing special. And, you know, she just, I just in that moment realized that, you know, I feel like I'd been priding myself on protecting her from so much of this. And I just realized in that moment, like, you can't protect your kids from almost anything. And also, it just made me realize that maybe the one thing I've gotten right amidst all of the IT failures and all of the like, if you ask me for one more breakfast before I've had my fucking coffee, I'm going to murder you, responses, that in that moment, when she really needed me to actually like pull her in and hug her, I did. And so I think that feels like a win that I'm gonna try and remember. And it also made me realize that I need to send the biggest thank you gift to her teacher because for the last seven months before this, I was dealing with that shit every day. So thank you, Mr. Blake. I love you. Yeah, I remember sort of at the beginning of the pandemic because, you know, my kids are in the Baltimore City public school system and there was like a week or two where they they were gearing up. And um, I just remember having all these big plans, like I wanted to teach my kids Latin prefixes and suffixes. <laughs> um, and I had all these like cool websites and all this like Scholastic Weekly this and all these TED Talks. And the only thing I can honestly say that we got done is they learned the capitals of all 50 states. We all burned out before we did world capitals. And by the way, that's really hard anyway. Yeah. But um, but we do, they do know, or they did, uh, they did six weeks ago or seven weeks ago, know all the capitals 
to all the states in the in the Which U.S. Is- mentioned in Maggie's story as as not a metric that you actually need in order to be an educated person. So good on you (laughs) for still doing it. Yes. (laughs) Uh, Before we get on to the next story, we want to thank Baltimore Magazine. You can find them at baltimoremagazine.com or on the newsstand. And we want to thank Golden West, which is a sponsor of the podcast and has great carryout window, awesome vegan Southwest food and when things open back up again, um, back to their really fun and funky dining room and events. But they're open now for curbside. Yep. Absolutely. Okay, so our next uh, storyteller, her name is Kat Knoppenberger, and she is a middle school math teacher. And she has a story about her first couple of weeks navigating virtual instruction. So this is a story about how my first week of teaching in quarantine went. And first off, all the rules of um, expectations for how to run a Zoom classroom probably happened because of my class. So the first day, I get into my classroom, my Zoom classroom, and my students are waiting there nicely, a few students, and one of the students decides to change their name to Dick. And I said, I'm sorry, Dick, I don't have a Dick in my class. Um, I'm gonna need to, uh, I'm gonna need you to fix that. And so he did. And it was a funny laugh, haha, I teach seventh grade middle school math. And so, you know, middle school boys think they're funny with all their dick jokes. So I thought that was like the worst of it. The next day, same class, I thought it would be a good idea to open up my class early so that I read it was like a best practice to like develop community to open it early so that students could like talk and hang out and you know, socialize before the teaching starts. So I opened up my classroom and all of a sudden I hear awful things like, like, like moaning. I hear um, like all of these teacher related pornographic phrases and I was, I was, I was shocked. I was so shocked that you saw my face shocked on the screen. At the same time, there were hundreds. It reminds me of like in the nineties when you would like get on somebody's computer who had looked at porn before. And then all of a sudden you click something and it's just like porn, 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 porn. And you like have to like keep clicking out of it. And you're like, all that four, all that four, all that four. Well, there's no alt F4 in Zoom. So I was like, I was like, um, I was trying to like kick people out like one at a time. I was like, this person's not in my class. This person's not in my class. Get out, get out, get out. And um, my boyfriend, Ben, he uh, was sitting right beside me at the dining room table because uh, we share a desk, which is our dining room table. And um, he's like, you were supposed to have a waiting room and you're supposed to use a password. Are you using a password? Did you use a waiting room? I'm like, no, but there's all this like 
shit going on on my computer and my students are in class right now like i have three students who are actually like students of mine in this class seeing all of this porn hearing all of these awful things and i don't know what to do and i was like i need to call my principal i remember she like warned us about something like this but i didn't do what i'm supposed to do and so um ben comes over to my computer and i don't know what he did but he fixed it and um the next uh like i reopen my zoom screen and it's all clear everything's fine and i get on and i'm like uh at this point more students have joined there were only about three students there at the beginning that saw all of this that were there early and when i joined i said i tried to like be really like cool about it and i said so who was here before class started <laughs> And a few students were like, I was, and I was like, I am so sorry. And I was just mortified. I called my principal and I told her how sorry I was. And I hope that she doesn't get calls from parents and students. That wasn't me. I didn't know, like, I didn't know what was going on. Um, but since then, you now have to enact a waiting room that allows you to let people into your room or not let people into your room and you have a password so that um the you can't like what's it called zoom bomb so i thought a zoom bomb when i heard zoom bomb i thought it meant like a student from another class was going to hop into your classroom and uh it meant a lot a lot worse than that so that was pretty intense that was this, that was day two of quarantine teaching and so I finally get my lesson going, and then I hear, uh, what's this song? It's like, hickory dickory dock, the monkey ran up the clock, the clock struck three. And it gets louder and louder and louder, and Ben had given my five-month-old, four-month-old at the time, um, her like loud singing toy. And I'm like, I'm trying to teach here. And he's like, well, she's playing, she's touching it, she's learning. And I'm like, yeah, but I'm trying to teach her. And there was just, I'm just trying to teach. So apparently my child can play and learn while I'm trying to teach, uh, what was it? How to subtract negative numbers. That was fun. So I'm trying to like draw on the screen with the mouse pad numbers and trying to model what I'm trying to teach them with a number line, labeling a number line. At the same time, my, at the time, my four-month-old wasn't screaming. She was just playing with loud toys, which my boyfriend thought was a good idea. So then I finally got um, the toys to like stop being an issue. Like I moved her further away. And then Ben goes into the kitchen and starts like blending a smoothie and like turning on the sink. And I'm like, I am teaching. Like, what are you doing? Like, seriously, do you see I'm working here? I'm like, I don't do this when you're in a meeting. When you're in a meeting, I make sure that the baby's quiet. I ask you like, I'm like, are, is, is it muted? Can I turn the sink on? Like, just to get a little bit of water? But no, he just like blends whatever he wants, slams the microwave, turns on the sink. Just, meanwhile, I'm like telling my students, sorry for all the loud sounds. 
because at the time I didn't even have this headset. So I didn't even have headphones and I just had my computer on, the mic picked up everything. And it was just crazy. And at the same time, you're just trying to like get the students to like kind of respond to you and teaching middle schoolers math, they're not always excited about learning the math, but then add to that, that you're doing it on a Zoom screen where all you see is a bunch of black screens with their names across it. And you're like, so, um, so three minus negative one is anyone, anyone. And then you say a student's name and you're like, do you know the answer? And in class, if that happened, you would just be like, you'd be able to see them and you would be able to kind of like encourage them with your presence to like answer. But here, if they didn't want to answer, they basically, it's like, it's like asking a student a question in your classroom and then they just put their head down and like hold their hand up and don't respond to you. Like that's so rude. And that's what it's like teaching on Zoom. Students have their head down with their hand out in front of them being like, don't talk to me. I don't want to answer you. That's what it's like. That's what it's like in the Zoom room, in the math classroom Zoom room. So yeah, I think that story is very funny for many reasons, but I, I really do empathize with teachers because the kids have this ability to just turn off their camera. And so you're try <laughs> trying to get any sort of interaction with them feels ridiculous, especially if they put some sort of icon or avatar. Like if you see a bunch yeah. of like potatoes or emojis or I don't know, I don't know what, what kids these days would use. But anyway, that seems really like a uh, doubly hard. Yeah, some kids are on their phone. Some kids, you know, are just really not having the tech up to, um, you know, up to like good working order so even they can concentrate and see the teacher. And I mean, that's what this next story speaks to and what you are really oh, firsthand familiar with in your work, Jessica, with, you know, the city schools. Yeah, special ed world. It's definitely a world that is not made for virtual learning. <laughs> um, oh, and bet. this next storyteller, Amy Cohen, is, um, I guess, just a, a, a broad term for her would be uh, a general badass, and she's a special ed administrator. I don't know her exact title, but she's in a, I'm not going to say what county, but just in a county that is not the city of Baltimore, and in, but the county exists in Maryland. And the story is really about, uh, she talks a lot about uh, special ed terms, just so that if you're a, a lay person to this, she talks about IEPs, which are individual education plans, and 504s, which are um, support uh, plans that are put in place um, both for kiddos that have disabilities and might be kind of different learners. So take a listen to Amy's story about navigating this world. So I was just going to tell you a little bit about what it's been like for me during this pandemic um, as a person who works for the school system. Um, for the first two weeks when we weren't working at all, schools were closed down. It was kind of a romp. It was kind of fun. Um, we you know, cleaned our houses and I got closets cleaned and corners cleaned and ate quarantine snacks and joked about that and 
didn't think that this was going to turn into what it has turned into. And then the next two weeks came and we were back working, but not fully. And so a lot of the teachers were not having IEP meetings or 504 meetings, which is what my field is. And um, my job is to support people who have those meetings. So for me, it was kind of an easier two weeks. I got to do things that I never get to do otherwise, because I don't usually have time. And I spent time cleaning up databases and getting our compliance reports cleaned up. And that was um, really actually good for me. Then, then the story begins um, of what it's like what it's been like during this pandemic time period because the next time period was when the teachers started going back to work and they started to you know actually teach and start holding meetings IEP meetings and 504 meetings and that's really when the stress level went way higher and you know I've, I've worked in this field a long time I've supported teachers for a long time and people are always frustrated they're always feeling like they can't keep up with their obligations, but this was like nothing I've ever seen before. They were saying words like, I can't handle this. And I don't know if I'm gonna be able to get through this. And they were crying a lot, all day long. And I've never heard people say this to me with such consistency and have it be throughout uh, all the people that I interact with. And what was happening was, first of all, now they're learning new things. Yeah, that's stressful. Um, they're doing it while their own children are crawling around on the floor. They're babies and toddlers that need help, that need attention all day long. They're doing it with their own children who are school-aged, who need to do their own distance learning. They're interacting with family members who have gotten sick or died, friends who have gotten sick. They're interacting with people that they're teaching like the families of the kids that they're teaching who are sick and whose family members are sick and struggling with all kinds of problems like um, not having wi-fi in the house um, losing their jobs and not being able to afford food or rent um, having to keep their job but now being exposed to the virus all the time and bringing that back into the house um, kids who might otherwise rely on the school system to give them food or supplies don't have that access anymore or rely on their parents to get that access for them. Families who have a history of abuse or kids who have histories of suicidal ideation, those kinds of reports were coming in fast and furious. And the people who normally are there to find those kids, protect those kids, support those kids, don't have the access that they had. And it was really weighing on these people. And they were on the edge. They are on the edge. And we heard a message from our superiors, which was a really important message, which was, Take care of yourselves and take care of your families. And that is the first priority. And that was a really important message for us to hear because people don't like doing a poor job. They don't like doing a mediocre job. They want to do an excellent job, or at least the people that I interact with do. And they couldn't do it anymore. They couldn't even be competent anymore. They could barely be competent. There's so much going on and they were, they were so emotionally overwrought. And so what, what wound up happening is I would just kind of talk to people all day long and say, you know what, if at the end of all of this, your family's healthy and you're healthy and all your paperwork is wrong or, or out of date, 
let's consider that a win. That, that's really what we have to be thinking of right now. We're gonna consider that a win. Um, and I have been saying to people a lot, we're gonna all learn how to be okay with things not being okay. And I say that to myself all day long, and I say it to other people all day long. You have to learn to be okay with things not being okay. And, you know, it's not just the people at the school level, it's everybody. It's the people above the level of the school who are dealing with all of this. And I'm so grateful that they're giving us this message. The other thing that I'm hearing from people right now is worry about the future. How are we ever going to catch up? What are we going to do in the fall? How am I going to catch up with this paperwork? What if I can't do this? What if I can't do that? What is it going to look like? How are we going to be in the classroom? How are we going to stay safe? How are we going to... And I just say, that is not today's problem. We're going to solve today's problem. And we are not going to solve a problem that we don't have today. And we're going to let that be living out there for some other day, for some other week, for some other month, and we'll solve that problem when we get to it. And we're just going to have to let that be and save all of that worry for some other time. And so that's where we are right now. We are living in this unknown, trying to stay off the ledge. I'm trying to help people stay off the ledge. And I'm hoping that, that our teachers can juggle everything that they're trying to juggle with their families, with their students, with their students' families, with their paperwork, with their expectations, and, and hope that we can all get through this and consider it a win at the end of when this is all over. Thank you. So yeah, that's a lot to chew on. Just a lot of of people who are stressed out. Yeah, and just the idea that, you know, the reason you get into education is is to try to do a good job, right? You really, really want to do a good job for the yep. kids. And that being in a position, and, you know, we've heard healthcare workers on the front lines talk about this too. You get into that profession to care for people and help people heal. And then you're in a position where you can't do that. Right. You're or do it, you have to doing, do it in a way that's not what you're used to doing it. So yeah, it's just not going like to, not, not good Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's just really, really stressful and such an adjustment. Um, well, and while we're stressed out and we are adjusting, our uh, final sponsor will come to the rescue, and that is the wine source. Uh, I tell on- you, I as soon as we finish recording this podcast, I'm already planning on going there to get some Vino Verde because it is Vino Verde season, baby. Yeah, I um, that is, and and ironically. Um, as we are recording this, I am quote unquote on the wagon. So it's been many days since I've had alcohol. Um, so I don't know what you're talking about, Laura. That sounds, okay. I'm going to judge you for your choice. Yes, please do. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll post to you while you do that. Um, that's mean. I know. Sorry. You yeah. go to the wine stores if you're not Jessica Hankin. And yes. Oh, actually, I would still go for the coffee. Like there's so many things you can get there if you're on the wagon. I mean, it's definitely a dance with the devil, let's be honest, because you're going to want to get wine and beer, but you could get bread and various uh, charcuterie, kombucha. 
Yeah, there you go. High end seltzer. Do you know that's a thing? Yeah. Yes, I do. I do. I'm aware of that. Um, all right. Before we get too loopy here, we're going to sign off. We want to thank Maureen Harvey for producing the podcast. Um, we want to thank you all for listening. And we will be back next week with more stories from the Stoop Storytelling Series podcast. Until then, stay safe. Don't you ever ask them why. If they told you, you would cry. So just look at them and sigh.